It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. I've always been fascinated by Back to the Landers, people choosing to live a self-sufficient life close to nature, growing food from the land and building an autonomous, sustainable community. The Back to the Land social movement is characterized by the idea that everyday life is methodically practiced and based on a set of moral values or choices. For many back-to-the-landers, homesteading became a spiritual practice, giving meaning to daily life through the values of simplicity and anti-consumerism. Today's guest on the podcast shares a fascinating story of making his way to Humboldt County in the 1980s. He tells us of the life he made and the community he helped build that sustains him 30 years later. John Wilhelm owns and operates Kingsview Farms in the Palo Verde Appalachian of Humboldt County. He grows full-sun organic cannabis with a zero-carbon footprint using integrative pest management practices. John happily grows sacred medicine with love and positive intentions for people like you and me. I'm excited to share his story with you, so go on, take a toke of your favorite smoke and settle in. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. John, thanks so much for having me out at King's View Farms. I mean, you truly do have one of the most magnificent views I've seen in Humboldt. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, you know, when I was introduced to you and your farm, I thought it was so fascinating to know that someone was kind of living this 
back to the land 2.0 lifestyle. And so I was really hoping mm-hmm. today that you could tell us a story, like how you decided to come out here and how it all led to where we're sitting right yeah. now. You know, that's really broad. I've heard you tell the story a little bit, and I didn't want to ask too many questions before. I want to do it now. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It wasn't really a decision to come out here as much as I kind of life just brought me this direction. And I met the right people at the right time, and everything kind of fell into place for me here. I think I was telling you earlier, I, I came out, actually, I grew up in D.C., but I came out like in my early 20s to see the dead in Berkeley. And they were playing which is shows of the Greek, and I was staying out there with some friends. And I met these people that had come down from Humboldt to see the shows, and they had the nicest marijuana I've ever smoked in my life. It was it was just like unbelievable. And they invited me to come up to their farms. And I was I did. And it was like Mecca. It was like the pilgrimage to <laughs> Humboldt County. And this is like, you know, 1985. And um, it was really cool. The people up here were like living the dream. I mean, they're in teepees. They're making their own buckskins. They're like farming. They're like no electricity. They love Volkswagen Beetles and Volvos. And they were just like just living the dream, you know. And uh, I idealized that, I guess. And then I went back to Berkeley and, and lived there for a while. And I would I'd come back and forth and see these guys. And uh, one year I got the opportunity to help grow for somebody down uh, in Dugan's Mill, which is near the Nonagon, that little community. And um, again, it was just like I was in heaven, you know, as a young man you know, looking at these older guys who were like living off the land. And they were just like um, something to look up to, you know, and yeah. with their integrity and how they lived. And as fate would have it, that one particular year, the helicopters came in and took everything. And I was telling you back then, there was no cell phones around. So I had to drive out to Hartwood to use the pay phone, which was like a 30 minute drive on a dirt road for roll of quarters, you know, and I was calling some friends in Berkeley and trying to figure out what my next move was after losing the crop. And I see this help wanted carpenter sign on the Hartwood bulletin board. And uh, I went inside and asked for a job and they gave it to me and I moved in there. So tell me a little bit about Hartwood because that's where I'm staying. Yeah. And it's called the Hartwood Sanctuary for a very good reason. I want to know more about it. It it was, it was Hartwood Institute back then. It was a, um, it was a healing arts school. And back in the day, you know, they, they didn't teach massage therapy in that many places in the country. There was like Esalon, Still Point back in Massachusetts. There was a few places that certified people for AMTA massage licenses, you know, so you could work mm-hmm. at a spa or a cruise ship or whatever. And so Hartwood was one of them. And, and on top of that, it was like a transformational therapy experiment of human consciousness. Yeah. And they were doing some really cool alchemical hypnotherapy. They were doing um, inner child work. They, it was a very, very cool place to be mm-hmm. at that time late eighties, yeah. early nineties and uh, vital, like 120 people, probably like you know, 80 students and equal number of staff and faculty living there in this big community. Uh, a lot of our own food was being grown. There was native American studies. There was like, it was a really so cool. cool for, I mean, for a 25 year old kid it was like yes. another slice of heaven. So I ended up being there for three years and doing their maintenance, um, fixing things uh-huh. and, um, met a lot of people in the community. Um, we had this little morning yoga practice where people would come up, you know, the growers or the other people, I want to call them all growers, but just the people that lived in the community would come up and, you know, you'd get invited to a little trim job on a weekend or make a little money here and there. And you got to know some cool, cool people. And so after my time there, I was like, I, I want to be here. I'd love this. This is my heart's calling to me to be here. And I just put it out to the universe um, that I wanted to find a place to put down roots. And I asked the guy in yoga class one day if he knew of any land for sale. And he said his brother had some for sale. <laughs> 
just like that. So I love the universe. And yeah, and it just <laughs> like it was crazy. You know, we went out and looked at this land. There's red tails flying around. It was you know incredible. And he offered it to me at this really low price by today's standards. Yeah. And when I told him I had no money, he's just like, well, what can you do? And I said, I'll sell my old Toyota truck and I'll give you a couple thousand bucks. And he's like, fine, I'll take that and I'll carry the note. And boom, handshake deal. Mm-hmm. I had 120 acres at 27 years old. That's so cool. And I'm getting teary eyed because <laughs> when I decided I was like, okay, I'm good at this podcasting thing and yeah. this is what I'm going to do. And I randomly met a girl in San Francisco who was getting rid of this studio equipment wow. and was like, there you go. I'll give you everything in the studio for $8,000. And I'm like, well, that's great, but I don't have $8,000. And she was like, well, I'll help you get it installed. Yep. And then you can pay me. How much can you pay me a month? I can pay you, you know, 500 something dollars a month. And so then for 13 months, she let me pay out this equipment. And it was just yeah, like the one universe of the, could provide, yeah. you know, when you're open, you line yourself up and get out of your own way. You know, yeah. Things open up like that. Totally. Totally. Oh, you made my eyes all <laughs> drippy. Oh, it's so good. So you met, made this amazing community for yourself here. Yeah, you were I just, able to... I just try to fit in with the community that was here. And then yeah. it evolved as as it is, as people come and go. And there's a core of people that are you know still here. A lot of them came through Heartwood in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Others through just visiting or you know their own path that brought them here. But this is like some places, like I have friends in Hawaii and... um. I know people that go to Hawaii with like a whole plan, you know, and they've got their money and they get a house and they get a car and they, they get chewed up and spit out. And there's somebody that goes there for a two weekend, you know, vacation and they never leave. And so it's, they get welcomed in, you know, yeah. things open up. So it's like that here too. Some people come up here with big grand intentions and they're not here anymore. Yeah. And somebody came up for a weekend and they never left, you know, and, and yeah. it's a cool community of people up here. So tell me a little bit about what you've created here for yourself. Like it's really magnificent. We'll get the grand tour later and, and anyone watching the video version of the podcast, we're sitting inside a home that you built. Yeah. Yeah. This is um, every bit, you know, it was an old barn when I got the place and it was totally kind of falling apart and there's animals living in it. And I added <laughs> on here and there bits and pieces. This is a, um, a cool collaboration. A friend of mine who's a timber framer in Vermont came out one mud season in the spring and we got this local timber from Tostens, which is over in Bear Butte and put up this addition and each part of the house is kind of a different story of a different friend that came through and helped me knock out yeah. a, a roofer a dormer or something and so it's it's all a collaboration you know and um you know, I have my brothers up here too. I don't know if I mentioned that to you earlier but you know when I in 1990 when I got going here I got my my brother James came up and he uh moved in up here and we, you know, got him a little cabin and then a piece of land came for sale next door and we got it and he moved over there and has his own place and then another piece of land and then another brother and another piece of land. And next thing you know, we have this little Walton Mountain up here. You oh my know? gosh. And uh, we all have our own little domains and we kind of stay out of each other's way mostly, but we're... I think my sisters would like that. Yeah. We all have our own space. We can't see each other from our back porch. Yeah. But we're close enough that we could see each other every day if we wanted to. Yeah. And we, we help each other out doing things a lot. And um, that's that family. That, there's like that family community up here. A lot of the people I have up here, I, I've kind of like created relations with them, brothers and sisters and, you know, aunts and uncles. And, yeah. Because we feel tight like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so my, you know, my physical existence here with this house and the land is kind of just an expression of how I like to live, you know? I like it open, 
and I like it easy, you know, not too much maintenance. And uh, I could do a little more cleaning, I guess, but it's... I mean, couldn't we all? There's a place for the spiders and yeah. the hang out in the corners, I guess, but... Uh, <laughs> So we've got yeah. outside of this space, like mm. you are a legal cannabis farmer. Yes. Do you grow your own fruits and vegetables on the farm? You know, as and... much as I can, you know, the, it's tough with the animals here. It's, you know, I can have a kale patch and I have some tomatoes and I can grow just about everything. And I, I do at times, but um, right now I'm, I'm fighting with the quail and the deer and everything else that wants to get in and eat the stuff. You right. know, like right now the bears are after the apples. And so we, you know, we grow what you can. Yeah. And I do. Well, and so then you also have really good neighbors and everybody yes. trades stuff and, that's and the cool shares thing. with the market. I, I bake bread. And so I trade bread for, you know, corn and apples and tomatoes. And I have a friend that has cattle and I get beef from her. And, you know, so we do a little bit of bartering up here with yeah. stuff. And, uh, yeah. Which that sourdough is, it is definitely bakery worthy. Yeah. It was delicious. Well, yeah, I, I, uh, I sell it at the markets when I'm, when I'm in town and. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about this back to the land 2.0 lifestyle, like friends in Oakland talk about, I've purchased, you know, 30 acres somewhere. I'm just trying to figure out what my exit strategy is. You know, I'm going to go live off the grid. And in my head, I saw something very different than what I'm seeing here. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, this is cool Well, this has had like 30 years to be polished. Certainly, you know, When I first certainly. lived here, there was a little generator and a little battery and a little solar panel and, you know, funky wiring. And it was it was pretty rustic for a long time. I mean, I didn't have an indoor toilet until like 20 years ago. So it was, you start out that way. And yeah. And then you kind of polish it. So back to the land, you know, it depends on what you're moving, what your motives are. For me, it's always been food. You know, I've, I love cooking and preparation of food. I love growing food. I love preserving it. I love canning it. I love drying it. I love freezing it. I like making soups. I like making meals for people. And so for me, like my favorite thing about being back to the land or the whole impetus was to like have your own food supply chain, you know, not to be reliant on, on stores and having to truck stuff up the hill. Mm -hmm. And so, um, <clears throat> that's the first thing I would do is I was building a little homestead. It was been get my garden going, get my compost going and, and, you know, start making food for yourself. Cause that's, you know, the whole farm to table thing California is known for came from that. It came yeah. from people growing their own food and eating what was in season when they had it and having gatherings of people to share, you know, it's all yeah. about the gathering. Absolutely. And I think community is such an important thing, especially when you live this far yes, away from civilization, essential. you have to have that, that closeness, that family unit and so what kind of cannabis community are you a part of here? This morning I was getting coffee at the mm -hmm. New the Harris store. General Store and, and you know, there were five or six growers or farmers, you know, standing around discussing gossip was going around, <laughs> what cars they might have <laughs> yeah, seen on my road. Yeah, car coming up Yeah, the hill. tell me yeah. a little bit about that community. Well, there's the grapevine, you know, you go to the store and you hear about, you know, the sheriff convoy coming up the hill or you know, somebody got ripped off or, you know, you, you hear all the local stuff, what's going on. And usually it's good news, you know, like we're all excited, you know, and, and we definitely we share what we can, you know, like I, if my greenhouse wasn't so good this spring, a friend of mine will help me out with some extras that he has and vice versa. And if we have some exceptionally good strains. We definitely like, Hey, you got to try this, you know, give somebody some clones or something. And, um, you know, we, I, I think it's really like open source software here. It's like, we don't, Nobody's holding anything of a closed fist. We're all in this together. And it seems like we all help each other out. And the cannabis community isn't, to me, it's like we're just a community. And cannabis is part of our lifestyle up here. 
Um, but as much as you know, the fire department and the community markets and the schools and things like that. That's and- a really, really good point because you know cannabis is a huge piece of this community or any of these communities in the Emerald it, Triangle. It was kind of the original GoFundMe. You know, yeah. it's like that's basically how we all got everything we have is by funding ourselves through cannabis. You know, mm-hmm. our fire departments, the Redwood Rural Health Center, KMUD, like everything here is donation based and. You know, yeah. nobody has real jobs. So. Yeah, so all of the community services and support are have all been created yeah. through this cannabis community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so cannabis is the backbone of you know where we are here, especially. I don't know if you know the history of Emerald Triangle and this whole thing, but like, you know, when people, the hippies were leaving the San Francisco area in the late 60s, moving up to communes because they thought the world was going to end, you know, the Mansons and Altamont Speedway in Vietnam. And it was crazy. So um, they all moved up here and they had these little communes. And these are the same people who go to India and Thailand and traveled the world as wanderers and seekers of things and mm-hmm. religions. And they'd come back with hemp seeds sewn into their, you know, hems of their clothes and grow them in their gardens up here. And then they would breed them. And that's how, all the cannabis that we have now, everything we know is kind of like Johnny Appleseeded here in Mendo and Trinity and Humboldt counties. Mm-hmm. And especially, I think, right here in this little corner of the world. And, um, yeah, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. Well, and so you said your first heroes, the people mm-hmm. that inspired you were people from this original yeah, the, movement. Yeah, the Nonagon, those folks yeah, that lived down on Dugan's Mill. Yeah, they were all so cool. They just like... Ran around like Tarzan wearing loincloths. And- yeah, tell me about when you your first experience when you're you're showing up there for the first time. Like, what were you seeing and taking in? I, I, the first night I landed there, you know, I slept in some teepee out in the middle of a field, and in the morning I come out and there's like fog is misting around on the hills, and you know, off in the distance I see these like long-haired people that are you know, brown, tan, half naked, like, you know, out in their gardens. And I'm like, oh, where am I? What, you know, have I gone back in time? This is really cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I got to Hartwood uh-huh. right whenever it was like after sunset, right before it gets dark. Uh-huh. And they said, you know, try not to do that. It's hard to maneuver. We've got, I don't know how many acres, 200 acres or something like that. How many acres is... It was 220 when they had the airstrip. I go down to the little store. I find the envelope with my name on it. There's not a key in it, but I'm like, key must be down where the place is. (laughs) I don't have a flashlight, which they also recommended that Mm -hmm. you have. And... It says in this paperwork, like, you can drive your car down and unload your things, but we request that you stay in the parking lot. Well, I get to the gate, and I can't get through the gate. (laughs) You're locked up. And I told Claire probably two hours earlier, I grew up out in the country in the middle of nowhere, where at night, it's just pitch black. Yeah. And I'm not afraid of the dark, and I'm not afraid, afraid of walking in the pitch black. Well, shortly after, I was walking about... I don't know, probably a mile down a windy mm-hmm. dirt road looking for the lower dorms and with all of my shit on me. And I was just like, how, like, what the fuck? Like, they put I, you in the lower dorms? Well, I mean, I chose, <laughs> I, I chose something that was, well, yeah, because Casually Baked was footing the bill. Like, <laughs> you get one of the ensuite rooms? No. No. I got the one that was by the kitchen, yeah, but I had yeah. a full bed in my own room, but still a little bit like, you know, camping. I mean, yeah. glamping, I guess. Well, you got the you got the Heartwood experience. But yeah, I got to the door and I didn't have a key. <laughs> and so I had to get, I was pretty crafty. I'm like, well, shit, like there is no phone service. I know no one. Mm-hmm. You literally are just out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. 
So luckily, Claire knows people or is able to help me. And so anyway, it was quite an adventure. So it made me definitely appreciate like living in a city and all the accommodations. But when I woke up this morning, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm glad I woke up here. There was little deer just kind of walking Mm. around. I passed a skunk last night on the walk. I was like, bro, listen, just you stay over there. I'll stay over here. There was a frog on my window. Like you're just like yeah. really part of nature no, here. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. Hartwood's beautiful out there. Uh, they, they call that the Palo Verde Ranch. That whole area was a subdivision back in the 70s. And um, it used to be this Dr. Ramsey from Eureka owned a cattle ranch there. It was uh-huh. dairy. And then it was sold. That property was sold to a group of developers called the Palo Verdes Group. And the Army Corps of Engineers was going to dam up the Eel River down in Alder Point. And this was going to be a giant lake. And this, this LA group bought that property and chopped it into like over 140 acre parcels, built roads. And it was going to, they're selling lakefront property, built the lodge, the airstrip, the pool. And then that, the plug got pulled on the dam project and they went bankrupt. And so that land just sat there for years until, um, in the late seventies, early eighties, they started selling it off. And that's when it was cheap, affordable land for hippies. You know, it was like, yeah. And I think somebody had told me that there was a plot of land that had been parceled out and, and, you know, kind of flattened, taken care of or whatever. And then they went away. And so a bunch of growers just came and started growing on it. Yeah. Is, that, is, that, is that another place or is this I the mean, same one? I think you're you talking about Hartwood or the Palo Verde ranch. Well, well I, yeah, maybe it's the Palo Verde somebody, ranch. There were, I think something like that happened at Hartwood. Like at one point the lodge and resort area had been built and then they all went belly up and some people moved in and started just gorilla growing. Yeah, because I mean that, and that's what they told me why the gate was closed last night. They're like, you know, yeah, it's, okay, so that it's was trimmer yeah. season, you know, so <laughs> it's like they like to sneak up here and, and use the, the sauna yeah. and the hot tub and yeah. the pool and stuff. And I'm like, you know, growers can be like cockroaches where they're like, we, you cannot kill us, we will find a way. Like, <laughs> well, that's we, that experience you have of trying to find your keying in your room. It's like it, it, you have to be a little bit MacGyver when you live up here and find workarounds because everything is a challenge and. You have to be very inventive and creative, you know, around figuring out how to get things done so far from amenities of the city. You know, you can't just run to the store and get, I mean, you can, but like to drive to town to get a hose clamp or a fitting or something like that is so long and hard. Oh, yeah. You you have to figure stuff out here and be Mm -hmm. resourceful. And it's a good lesson. Yeah. I mean, where I grew up, it was... It was a 70 mile drive for like the quality groceries, like getting to your Safeway. Right. But like, you know, the new Harris general store that was like 15 miles away Mm -hmm. from us. And yeah, it's one of those things. If you have a plumbing problem or, you know, something happens, like you don't get to pick up a phone and call somebody to come over and fix it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Southern engineering has done a lot for me, you know, just learning those life skills for sure. You said earlier that what makes you different, what makes Kingsview Farms mm-hmm. different is that it really truly is the encompassment of this kind of lifestyle. You're like, I've been growing cannabis for 30 years. This is your... That's just the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, come on. If you... I've only been growing since 2016. Oh, uh, yes. Well, then you're not as cool as you were when I thought you'd been growing for 30 years. <laughs> um... <laughs> I can either the, confirm or deny those allegations. The whole idea is that you're you're in this magnificent space. You're going to grow quality yeah, cannabis. You learn how you're going to pick this up. Absolutely. But you're the thing that makes this different for you is just like the whole lifestyle. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's, you know, when you, when we were talking about this podcast and we're just going to be about and like what, and then other people asked me, like I was at Hall of Flowers yesterday and you're meeting all these cannabis growers all over the state and they're like, they're trying to create like, what's unique? What, what do I do different? And they've got these buzzwords and they talk about stuff and, you know, I don't even like to compare myself to them because it's not why I grow it. And it's not how it came to be for me to be growing it. You know, it wasn't like I was trying to create this brand identity to my farm yeah. for, as a cannabis grower. Like cannabis was part of our culture and, and, and for me growing up, you know, it's something I always have an affinity to this plant. And so what makes my cannabis farm different is that I guess it's just, I mean, it's not that much different than the other ones around here. You know, we all kind of have the same growing techniques. We share a lot of genetics. We all have our tips we you know on what to do with powdery mildew and how to handle stuff and our companion growing and farming mycorrhizae you know we 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 all kind of do that you know up here Mm -hmm. in the emerald triangle Mm -hmm. now you know compared to people in greenhouses and giant grows down in you know palm desert we're really different than that and the one thing i'll just have to say is that it's the it's the heart that we have behind it you know we i i love this plant you know it's sacred to me Mm mm-hmm and uh, so it's that's one of the biggest things. I really believe this plant kind of picks up on energy. It's kind of empathic, right? And I think that, you know, when you grow it with that kind of love and care that when people smoke it or use it or eat it, however they're going to imbibe, you know, they feel the difference, you know? Mm-hmm. it's And it's not fertilizer. It's not, I mean, that helps. But it's it's partly the sun and air. We got, you know, there's King's Peak. It's 20 miles away. We got air blowing in off the ocean over 5,000 miles. It's just clean and fresh. It makes landfall right here. It gives us these updrafts and down currents that help with the, you know, the plants like air. They don't mm-hmm. like stagnant. And so <clears throat> we just have this amazing aspect of south facing. We have the ocean air. We have the hot, hot days, the cool, cool nights. It's just like the perfect place yeah. to be growing this. And then... The way we grow it, you know, we try to keep it simple and, you know, keep our carbon footprint as small as we can and and try to grow it as sustainably as we can. We always have, you know, like back in the day, we had chicken shit and oyster shells and that was it, you know, and Uh some mulch. And we'd make, go out under an oak tree and find some leaves and crush them up and run through a screen and we'd make our own stuff. And the plants were amazing then, like 30 years ago. The plants are just as awesome as they are now. I mean, they had that smell. They they, they had that feeling when you smoked them, that Irish feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, it hasn't changed that much. You know, we're reinventing the wheel of all these new amendments and fertilizers. I mean, they help for sure. But really, it's the love and intention of the person. Like they say the best fertilizer a plant can have is the farmer's shadow. You know, and it's it's all about being around your plant. Yeah. Do you talk to your girls? Yeah. Do you tell them stories or do you tell them how beautiful and smart they are and that they're going to grow up and make a lot of money? There's certain plants that you just, you know, especially like, you know, now I'm kind of like trying to fit into the, the way it's being done with some light depth and rows of things. But like there's still my old full season plants that are big old mamas out in these cages, you know. And when you get up around them, you know, and, and this time of year especially and they're just glistening and it's just something about them that, yeah, you want to talk to them. Mm-hmm. You're just like, yeah, you Yeah. 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 I talk to my friend's children and pets and cannabis plants, flowers. One of my friends is a Dahlia farmer. I Mm -hmm. walk through her Mm -hmm. field and talk to the flowers. I mean, most of the time I'm high, so Mm -hmm. I'm not sure of like people think I'm a crazy person, but I do. I, we are all connected, you know, we are sharing energy. And I do think that having those beautiful intentions does make a difference. That's the biggest difference. I mean, you know, 
some of the stuff that's being grown, you know, I'm not trying to diss anybody, but like it's when you're growing it for as a widget, as a commodity, you know, and it's just about amounts of THC per square foot, you know, and you have this whole business plan you're figuring out. And it's like you, the plant's not really being grown in the same way. It's like difference from getting a, you can get an organic hothouse tomato at Whole Foods and you can go to a farmer's market and get a farmer's market tomato and the farmer's market tomato is way better. Because oh, the yeah. guy that's growing it is into it, you know. Mm-hmm. He's not in a big greenhouse factory, and and I think that's what it all comes down to. With most of the people I know up here, all my friends, and you know, it's like they grow this with love in their heart, and that's what makes everything about what we do here in Humboldt County, and especially in the Emerald Triangle, and especially in Palo Verde, New Harris. Yeah, you know, just completely different than everything else. Yeah, it's it's so important to know your farmer, and as you're saying this, we talk about. You know, we're sitting on the porch. A few of us were enjoying a a smoke before we started. And, you know, talking about that farmed cannabis that's like, you know, in a warehouse Mm -hmm. that's got the artificial light and, you know, who has a totally different upbringing than flower that's grown here. And, you know, it's like you can have the exact same flower and it can make you feel completely different because yeah. of all of these factors. Totally. If there's, there's some like you know, tweaker growing your weed, it's going to gonna make you paranoid when you smoke it and full of anxiety. So like I, I, was, being, I was in Colorado for a little while. And I, was, I got into the legal market out there before California to test the waters. And I had a little grow that was in a warehouse, you know, in town. And it was in a building that had other grows. And it was like, I don't know how many licenses were in that one giant warehouse. But... At break time, like 10 o'clock, you know, all these guys would come outside and they were like all tatted and pierced. And I'm not making a judgment about that, but they were like smoking Marlboros and drinking Pepsis. And they just did have this demeanor of like not happy people, Mm -hmm. not happy with their, I mean, they could just as well be working at Taco Bell. Like they could care less. It was just a job, Mm -hmm. you know, and they were just reporting to duty and you know, I was thinking about it, like all the, the flour that came out of that. And, you know, Colorado is mostly an indoor market because they don't really have good weather like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're out in the Western Slope or in Pueblo. But anyway, it's driven by the indoor market and it's such bad stuff. It's just <laughs> horrible stuff. And, and I feel bad for the people who have to smoke it. But the consumer hasn't <laughs> figured, we haven't educated the consumer yet about the importance of buying, you know, sun-grown organic weed by good people, mm-hmm. you know? If you're That's just, one of my missions. Me I mean, too. I'm trying. I'm trying, I'm trying to, to teach people teach like, people. hey, you want to you get something good for your body? Like, I think people, once they realize it's like palm oil or different things in food that you want to avoid because it's mm-hmm. forcing the rain, for, you know, you want to like support these farmers up here and maybe you're going to have to pay a little more than you would for something that's being grown mass production in a mm-hmm. big warehouse in Watsonville. But um, you're going to feel better and it's going to be better for you. And yeah. in the end, the carbon footprint, you know, like again, in Colorado, they, you know, they have coal fired electrical plants you know they're strip mining indian reservations in wyoming and bringing the coal down to denver and burning it and it's like powering all uh, these giant indoors and the hvac and dehumidifiers and like it's just horrible it's yeah, a horrible that feels thing, terrible you know and mm-hmm. it's like it's the same southern cal and everywhere i mean it's growing it you know as nature intended with the least amount of of like additives additives and also the, the footprint like trying to use less hoarding trying to use less blow pots trying to use less plastic 
you know, trying to do as much as you can on your end mm-hmm. as a farmer to minimize yeah. what you're hauling up the hill and what you're hauling out of here to right. the dump, you know, and trying to keep it as really as small as you can. And, you know, the plants are, they, they're fine. You know, they, they grow really well this way. Yeah. You know, with anything in life, when it comes down to the big things, it's about playing the long game. And how is this affecting me? How is this affecting my family, my community, and the greater environment as a whole? And, you know, if you can feel good about all those decisions along the way, you can really feel good about the life you're living. And it really does turn into this really inspired life where it seems like doors and windows of opportunity Mm -hmm. just kind of open for you whenever you kind of can live in that flow and think about that, you know, that greater whole. Well, that hole. long game that you're speaking of, I mean, that's that's such an essential part of what's happening up here for us and the growers is that, you know, this is our home. This is our land. We've been living here for years with families, generations. And, you know, for us, this has been a way of life and a lifestyle um, where the market's being driven right now. And God bless you on this mission of, ex- you know, telling people about this. People are borrowing huge amounts of venture capital money, right? And then they're building a model of something that they can grow X number of pounds with. And then they're pitching this deck or portfolio of these people being like, look, we have a valuation of like, you know, $10 million. Loan us more money to build it bigger or buy us out at a 10X multiplier. So that this is the business plan that most of the cannabis industry is operating on. It's not the long play. It's not owning their own homes. It's they're creating valuation of something with somebody else's money to flip it to somebody even bigger. And it's such a short-sighted, thing it's business it's how it's done we're in america but it, for us it's we're like fighting for survival up here i have so many friends that have um thrown in the towel because they just can't make it through you know the compliance part of this to get a license mm-hmm. and it's so hard for a lot of the older folks you know that just you know when they moved up here they they never thought they'd have a desk job they didn't think they'd have to like be filing forms with the government and dealing with them that way you know right. and they just can't can't fathom it you know and it's really mm-hmm. sad because there's like a brain trust that we're losing of of these old old folks that have been up here since the beginning that just can't figure out how to make it all work you know and mm-hmm. so it, that's it's a little sad and and for the rest of us you know we're trying to do our part to bring everyone along and you know you got to talk somebody off the ledge now and then you know because they're just yeah well and too and it seems like you know these these towns up here, it, if the cannabis community here dies, so yeah, do a lot of these there towns. They are. Yeah, it's yeah. really, a lot of stores are closing up or mm-hmm. shutting down and people just don't have the money to spend anymore, um, you know, locally. And, yeah. uh, and a lot of the big businesses that are coming in that, you know, not so much in Humboldt County, but in the California, they're not keeping the money in the state, you know, it's all going back to the shareholders Yeah. and it's, so it's, uh, it's whatever. So do you want to support that? No, you want to like buy organic sun-grown flower from us up here yes <laughs> and absolutely. pay more for it unfortunately but it's going to be worth it in the long run for everybody you know yeah and like we said earlier you know it's buying cannabis that was intentionally produced yeah but then also like you said before you consume in whatever way you set your intention right. like what what do you want that's this exactly to what do we're, do we're talking me? about how like in advertising there's all these buzzwords about you know this strain is calm and this strain is focused and this strain is active <laughs> and this strain is sleep and i'm like you know actually you just create you set an intention before you and you take it you say what you want you use the santa maria 
and you get it just like you asked, you know? And so it's important to have an intention and to use this plant, you know, mindfully like that too. I mean, it's, you know, there's disclaimers you see now in alcohol ads, you know, use this with discretion, use this wisely. Yeah. You know? Use respect, drink responsibly. I think, you know, there's, Cannabis is an amazing plant and, and people have medical benefits from it. And it's just fun to use too, you know, it's just yeah. fun to listen to a Cheech and Chong album, you know, and crack up, yeah. get a good laugh going. Um, somebody told me something a long time ago that I've always remembered about um, this plant and they, you know, she was calling it Santa Maria. And she said, you know, it's very wise and, you know, it's like a mother. And if you want... You just climb into her lap and she'll stroke your head and make you feel all better, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's that's comfort, you know? And then there's also this other side of her that's like super wise. And if you ask a question, you know, and then take a smoke, you know, you'll get guidance and wisdom. Yeah. I need to be doing a little bit more of that lately. I so mean, it's a balance. Use yeah. it, have, have fun with it, take yeah. comfort in it, but use it wisely too. Absolutely. And, you know, like I told you, I microdose for anxiety and OCD pretty regularly throughout the day just to help keep myself normalized and, and functional and, and out of that monkey brain. But, yeah, there are a lot of times when you have this, like, big decision to make. Mm-hmm. Or you're like, I don't know what to do. Like, what you know. Yeah. And that's something that I haven't, you know, I, I do a lot of meditation but like to, to just like ask the question, mm-hmm. just put it out there, ask the question. Or even ask what the question is, you know, like if you don't Ooh. know, you know, sometimes, sometimes you just need to, <laughs> you're like, what am I looking for? You know? Yeah. Yeah. S- Cause sometimes you don't, sometimes it is hard to figure out exactly what the question is. John, tell me, is there anything that you think that the audience should know or something that I didn't ask you that is important that you want to touch on? God, I'm sure there's something I'll think later that I'm like, oh, I should have said something about this. Um, no, I just really appreciate you making the trip out here. You know, it's we're way out in the middle of nowhere, and it's really cool when people come up and pay us a visit. And um, I, I really appreciate you know what you're doing with this podcast. And uh, what do I want to say? Just have fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, I harvest. I tell people. That it's like Christmas Eve for me, mm-hmm. you know, it's like getting to walk through the flowers and it's a great time of the and year and see what's happening. Yeah. And, you know, the, everything's changing. It's everything's in transition. There's so much hope all, you know, there's a lot of excitement and, you know, to be able to share these voices of harvest and, mm-hmm. and what it is like to be a farmer and especially in this modern legal landscape, yeah. what it's like to be a farmer <clears throat> who's doing it right and who is maintaining this back to the land lifestyle. There's such a money grab right now. Yeah, there is. And so it's been very nice and peaceful and pleasant to be in the, in a part of your world. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool. Too bad you can't get to the farmer's market in town today because it is an amazing time of the year with all the vegetables coming in. In addition to the cannabis, there's amazing Which town in Garberville. I was at that farmer's market last Friday. Okay. Yeah, it's 11 yeah, to 3 yeah, yeah. today. It's yeah. awesome. And there's a huge base of people in this community growing food as well as cannabis. And yeah. it's cool to come together with that. And, yes. You know. I interviewed a few of the farmers last Friday uh-huh. um, for the Voices of Harvest series. And then I bought some cool ceramics from some guy 
for a weed jar. Oh, cool. <laughs> Put your weed in it. <laughs> well, because I just, I like super attractive things like, you know, that are not just a glass jar, which mm-hmm. of course, you know, you don't want your cannabis in a clear glass jar. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times when you get it from your farmer friends, it's just in a mason jar. So, yeah. you know, you got to put it somewhere else yeah. to keep it safe. Keep it dark. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. True. True. Yeah. So I supported the Garberville market last week. So cool. today I'm going to head back up to Hartwood and get in the pool and the I mean, I guess one thing I'd like to say, one more last thing is um, I want to, <clears throat> so the audience or whoever's listening to this stuff, I want to, I'd, I'd like everybody to do their own due diligence and really understand like where this is coming from, where your cannabis is coming from. Like do, you know, educate yourself about the plant and about its effects and about who's farming it, how they're farming it, the, and the practices that they're using and, you know, tell your friends and educate them, you know, when you see somebody, you know, Hey, where are you getting that weed from? You know, yeah. Who, who, you know, is it good? Is it, you know, is it going to help you out? Is it going to help the planet out? Is it going to bring us all, you know, absolutely enjoyment? make being highly responsible a cool thing? Yeah, vote with your dollars. You know, where you get it from, who you buy it from, and and what you do with it, and uh, enjoy it, have fun with it, and but be you know respectful of yourself and others. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say because I have had this dilemma around like, you know, I grow this product and I love it, but some people might abuse it. And, you know, I'm not, do I feel, am I responsible for that? And I do feel like I am partly, you know, and I, I, I just want people to all be okay. Yeah. Well, maybe when those people are smoking your weed because it's got mm-hmm. your aura around it maybe it's the weed that helps them like have an aha moment instead well, I, I, you know totally in that <laughs> I, I put that inter- intention into it back in the yeah. spring when i first crack seeds i do a little prayer burn some cedar for them and soak them and then get them going and like kind of like start the year off with like a good intention that this is all for healing and it's you know whatever healing means it could be fun for you it could be checking out in front of the tv it could yeah. be whatever you know yeah but it's uh what is your favorite um strain that you've grown this season um, well, let's see. I mean, favorite, there's a couple of favorites. I mean, one of the best flavors is this wedding cake that we're growing. It just has an amazing smell. The, 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 the show winner was this um, banana OG. We, we tested it at 29.8% THC for an outdoor crop it was like wow. super high. Yeah. And I just let my banana sherbet and uh, I should give a shout out to my buddy, Dan over at Rebel Grown, who gave me the... Emerald Cup winning uh, Double OG Chem cuts to grow, and they came out really nice. So nice. we've got some fun stuff. Well, I can't wait on to the shelves. Yeah, go that, down and check it out. Yeah, through King's View or uh, King's View at Flocana. I think you'll see, find our jars and dispensaries that way. Yeah. Right on. So you're under the Flocana brand. They're my are, distributor. And so, yes, but the Flocana jar, like if right. we find those brown, those amber brown yep. jars with Flocana, we can find the Kingsview Farms. And then King's there's View a little Farms label that goes strain. over top that'll say Kings, mm-hmm. uh, Kingsview Farms. And um, through them, Willie's also has picked some up. And, so if someone is yeah. looking to find one of your strains specifically, yeah. do they go to your website to do that? Do they go I mean, to the Flocana site? Like, how do you find yeah, so where if you are? If you're are? a distributor, you know, licensed distributor, you can contact me through, you know, admin at Kingsview or the website or hit me up on Instagram and I can transfer legally pounds to you that you can either sit in your just, you know, dispensary, however that goes. Um, but for most people wanting to buy a few grams, you'd have to go to a dispensary. But are there a list of dispensaries that you're in? I don't or have that, that on the list, Flo but the Flocon okay. website, yeah, would have that. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to get into more if anyone wants me. <laughs> yeah, and do you know about um, Confident Cannabis? No. 
look into that site. Say I really love your wedding cake mm-hmm. and your cannabis is on this site. It's a place where people can buy. Like you could have your strains up there and a distributor or people, they can buy your products. But they do like the complete chemovar breakdown and so yeah. you can find strains that oh, cool. are chemically yeah. very similar. Matching the terpenes and the, mm-hmm. the cannabinoids. But that yeah. could be another place to um, yeah. to shop your wares. Man, I I would love to get more exposure out there in the world. And then I'm just trying to keep my head above water with all yeah. the compliance work that I'm doing. It's so hard. Well, but <laughs> I'm, d- I'm doing an episode next week on those headaches of compliance for you guys. Yeah. Who saw this coming? I mean, I swear 30 years ago, <laughs> running around, you know, back to the land. And now I'm like lawyers and computers and like yeah you're like well, how am i pushing paper forms. what's going on i know on? pushing paper i got a desk job how did that happen yeah <laughs> well bless you and all of that thank happy you. harvest to you thank and you thanks this again. is my 30th harvest i was telling you earlier i <laughs> this on this land is well yeah 30th season 30th harvest season pretty that's cool. impressive it is it's wild yeah O-G. O-G all right it. thanks for hanging out thank you John and I share the belief that the cannabis plant is empathic and embodies the energy of the farmers who care for it. King's View flower is grown with heaps of love, care, the hot sun, and cool ocean air. After spending the day with John talking history and exploring the King's View garden, my heart was bursting. I really hope our conversation helped give you a better idea of the difference between intentionally grown cannabis versus mass-produced flour. If you're inspired by this look at Back to the Land 2.0, I hope you'll share this episode of the podcast with a friend. Claire joins me on the farm tour, so you'll find both videos and pictures of my time with John at Kingsview Farms in the Podcast 108 show notes at casuallybaked.com. Find and follow John and Kingsview Farms on Instagram at Kingsview Farms. Check out one of those amazing loaves of bread that John baked for Claire and I. I'm telling you, these back to the landers, they know what's up. I hope you're enjoying the Voices of Harvest podcast bonus series, celebrating the craft of cannabis farming and the art of storytelling. Be sure to send me your canna curious questions or concerns at casuallybakes.com for inclusion on a future episode of the podcast. Socialize with me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I'm at Casually Baked. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. La Osa is in the house capturing and editing the video version of the podcast available on YouTube and channel 203 on Cannabis Club TV. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're finding your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 
Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humiston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.